0: Good boys and girls, welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast. It is Alberto Moreno Appreciation Day. We are brought to you by eplindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. It's a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix, or if you're a fan of Friends, the Friends reunion is now streaming on HBO Max. A Liberty Shield VPN will allow you to change your location to the U.S., access HBO Max, and watch the Friends reunion. You can also keep your data safe online. LibertyShield.com, use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland and shipping worldwide. Homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And I'm also happy to announce that EPL Index now has a shop On Etsy. So if you go on Etsy and search EPL Index, you'll find the shop. There are a bunch of new products going up all the time. There are some, if you're a Manchester City fan, there are some great prints. You can get them framed or unframed in different sizes. EPL Index on Etsy. Right, folks. Like I say, it is Alberto Moreno Appreciation Day. Alberto is now a two time Europa League winner, as well as a Champions League winner, a serial winner. Came on last night. I thought he played very well, I have to say. I thought he came on, how he defended well, was really aggressive, was very, very quick to the ball, as he always is. Showed purpose getting forward, put in a couple of good crosses. Had that one shot, but we're going to put that down to the poor pass he received, a little bit behind him, and then scores his penalty. Villarreal win the game 11-10 on penalties after... I think it's fair to say a drab, dour affair. Villarreal came with a very clear game plan. That was to frustrate United, try and sneak a goal and hold out. They're a good defensive team. Made sense. United didn't turn up. Bruno was dreadful. Utterly dreadful. And as I've said before on this podcast, when Bruno doesn't play well, United are a very average team. I would say they're a mediocre team. Paul Pogba didn't turn up. Marcus Rashford had a poor game. I will say, though, the abuse that Marcus Rashford has taken on social media is a disgrace. First of all, racism has no place in the world. Absolutely no place in the world. But any type of abuse sent by Manchester United fans to Marcus Rashford is just a disgrace. This guy is somebody you should hold up as a shining example of everything you want your players to be. As a player and as a person. He's an incredible young man. And he is an incredible football player. Any type of abuse sent to him is disgusting. Racism has no place in the world. He didn't play well. Cavani scored, but didn't play well. You would have to say that if you're Donny van de Beek, you would really want to be calling your agent this morning and asking him to get you the hell out of there. How Oli Gunnar Solskjaer could look at his bench last night and make a decision not to bring. Donny van der Beek on. How Ole Gunnar Solskjaer could manage a game as poorly as he did? Making one substitution in, what, 118, 119 minutes while his team were exhausted. Villarreal had made four changes in that time. And then Ole starts making subs to bring on penalty takers. Mata had come on. He brings on Fred, Dan James, Tellez. Shocking management. Absolutely shocking management. And the argument then... After the game is that, well, he looked at his bench and didn't trust the players there. Okay. Juan has won pretty much everything in the game. Uh, he's a tremendous player. Fred, you spent 50 million on. He's a quality player. He's first choice for you, normally. You don't trust him? Ahmed Diallo, you spent over 30 million on last summer. He's an incredible talent. He's shone in the first team already. You don't trust him. Dan James was an Ollie signing. Ollie was the one that pushed for him. Alex Tellez, quality player. Nemanja Matic, a proven winner. And Tony van de Beek, who we were told last summer, Ollie had put months of work into the signing. Months of it. Now the stories leak out. Like I said at the time, he wasn't originally a target. It was a signing for the sake of making a signing. They botched their summer. They panicked. And they signed Donny van der Beek, a quality player, but one Oli clearly doesn't trust, doesn't want, doesn't use. There's no excuse for Manchester United's performance last night. I've seen people say it's a choke job. I think that's a little bit harsh and very disrespectful to Villarreal. I thought the uh, BT Sport coverage. Pre-game was a disgrace. Nobody on to discuss it from the Villarreal perspective. Just Manchester United pundits. Paul Scholes making out that this was some Spanish version of Crystal Palace. Shameful, shameful punditry. Completely uninformed. Yes, they finished seventh in La Liga. But that was because they were focusing on the Europa League. They could and should have finished probably sixth. They might have got fifth if they got their stuff together early on. But their focus was, let's have a real bang at this competition. Again, the disrespect. Oh, they have never won anything. And what? What if they've never won anything? Now they have. Now they've won a Europa League. Because you all dismissed them. And if your attitude was like that... What was the attitude like among the Manchester United coaching staff? Because don't think for a second that Rio and Scholes aren't plugged in with what's going on at United in terms of the mood, the atmosphere, the view on opponents. Of course they are. It's the first true honour for Villarreal. They won the Intertoto Cup twice. Nobody really cared. Uh, They finished runner-up in La Liga once. In o seven o eight, this is the first real honour, and well deserved. I thought they were very disciplined last night. They all stuck to their task. I thought Emery nailed his substitutions, nailed the game plan, frustrated United. Of course, the excuses came out. Oh no, Harry Maguire, Samuel Chukwueze wasn't playing for Real. He's one of the best attacking players. He would have tortured that United defence last night, running in behind them. Absolutely tortured them. United haven't kept a clean sheet in the five games since Maguire got hurt. They kept one in the five games before he got hurt. Let's not pretend United's defence was good with Harry Maguire. It wasn't. United are a very average defensive team, even with their £80 million centre-back. And this is the same £80 million centre-back by the way, that we keep hearing, will United need a top-class partner for him? Isn't he meant to be the top-class partner? Like, when you spend 80 million, you should pretty much be able to put him next to anybody, and he elevates them. You could stick Virgil van Dijk next to a wheelie bin, and he'd see through a clean sheet. United's defence last night wasn't cheap. Juan bissaka cost 50 million. Bailly cost 28, Lindelof was 35, Shaw was 34 seven years ago, David De Gea was 20 million ten years ago. That's not a cheap team. You've got a midfield that contains Paul Pogba, who cost 89 million pounds, and you keep telling us you just need someone to unlock him. It's the same excuses over and over and over again. Spend loads of money. Spend it badly, end up wanting to spend more money. United's problem isn't spending money, it's how they spend it. Special mention to David De Gea, what a performance. One shot on target from Villarreal, one goal. 11 penalties faced, 11 penalties scored. One penalty taken, one penalty missed. That is an impressive night's work for Mr. De Gea who could not have seemed less arsed if he tried. If he'd put on a Villarreal jersey, he wouldn't have looked any more like an undercover agent. He didn't even try for half the penalties. He just sort of fell over in the general direction of the ball. He didn't look all that pushed when he missed his own penalty either. David De Gea's time at United is up, but no one's going to take him off their hands on the wages he's on, certainly not if they expect a fee. So that's a problem. But congrats to Villarreal, and a special congrats to Albi Moreno. Uh, he's someone that lives at the heart of this podcast with myself and Guy. Uh, and obviously, his uh, his Instagram Live exploits after the game have now been docum- documented o- over social media. He's a hell of a guy. <laughs> he plays like a dog chasing a car. Absolutely delighted with himself. No idea what he's going to do if he catches it. Um... Today is Thursday, so we will take Twitter questions. Seems to be quite a lot of them today, so we will rattle through them and hopefully get through them all. If I miss anybody, I do apologize. Twitter is a bit weird, and it doesn't always show all the replies. Um, this one is from Steve Smith. You have $150 million to spend. $35 million is gone on Kanate. Please use the rest on a central midfielder, an attacker, and a right-back. You may use up to two players as a make-weight. The rest must be budget-reliant sales. You may add one more position of choice. You'll have enough money from sales to select four Chinese takeaway dishes too. Uh, Chinese takeaway dishes, right. So what we're doing is we're going to the China Garden in Navin, And you're getting a super supper. You're getting um, a beef and XO sauce. Either a beef curry or a chicken curry. You can have whichever. But you have to get a curry from the China Garden. And. I'm not very adventurous. I, I tend to stick to the same things. There's a chicken and cashew in a hot pepper sauce. That's quite nice. So I'll get that. So that's that. That's about. 35 quid maybe, 35 euro, but we're talking pounds here, so it's about 30 pounds. That's fine. We'll we'll take that. That'll feed everybody onto the players. So we've got 115 million left. Um, I think for sure the right back I would go for is Ola Eina, who I think had a decent season with Fulham. Can play right back, left back, or centre back if needed. Counts as homegrown because he came through the Chelsea Academy, obviously. I would say... I think 8 million was the original buy fee when Fulham got him with the option to buy. Torino might even take a little bit less. So maybe 6, 7. We'll call it 8, though, just to stay on the safe side. Uh, So that leaves us 107 million. I am going to throw 85 million of my 107 million at Jadon Sancho. And I'm getting Jaden Sancho because I just think he is, I think he's a superstar waiting to happen. I think he's a phenomenally gifted football player who would improve this Liverpool team. Uh, So he'd be the attacker I'd get. So that leaves me with 22 million plus I can add some players. Uh, I wonder with Sancho if I could maybe throw in, this might not be popular, maybe throw in Harvey Elliott. Dortmund have interest. I think he's probably worth 20, 25 million. So that could bring the price down to, say, 60 and him. And that leaves me with 47 million and Naby Keita, who would be my second player to exchange. And I would make the same offer to two clubs. I would offer 30 million and Naby to Leicester for Tielemans and to Inter for Barella. And I think one of them will bite on that. And then that leaves me with, what, 48 and 60, 68, obviously, uh, and 30, 98. So that leaves me with 17 million to address one more position. I want another centre-back, so I'm going back to Schalke and I'm telling them this is the price for Ozan Kabak. Just give them to me. I'm taking Ozan Kebac. My centre backs are Kanate and Virgil, Gomez and Quebec, selling Joel Matip. selling Nat Phillips. I've got Reese Williams and Ben Davies as my third string. I've got Fabinho in case of emergency. I'm happy with that. And I think then you just go and you grab a goalkeeper on a free. Rui Silva, perfect. He would work for me. And that I think gives us the complete squad that we need. Um tweets from the bog, Owen H. Hurley. Vardy's biopic got me doing a top ten Americ a top ten sports movies list. Nearly all the contender contenders were American. Rush being the only non-American movie in contention. Any reason why they've nailed it? Couldn't think of one great soccer movie, which is strange considering it's the biggest sport. Um, I saw someone in the replies to that say The Damned United, and I I do love that film. Um but I think part of the thing is there's a, a big difference between British films and American films in that British films are more realistic and they're more to the point and they don't really deviate from the storyline. There's not been a whole bunch of kind of, um, you know, fantasy football stories or, or you know, Fiction, um, British sports movies, most of them are based on fact or or close to fact, you know, fiction based on fact. Whereas in America, you do get more freedom to, to you know, make things bigger, make things more exciting. Uh, now, Owen has made a list here. Seabiscuit, absolutely. Happy Gilmore is a classic. Friday Night Lights is brilliant. Rocky Three. I mean, any of the first three Rockies are great. Jerry Maguire is great. A League of Their Own is brilliant. Tom Hanks is fantastic. The Sandlot, that's, a, that's an all-time classic. Cinderella Man, Remember the Giants. I'd say Remember the remember the Titans, maybe? Should that be? Remember the Titans? The Fighter is brilliant. Um, I would say... Raging Bull, if you count that as a sports movie. I know it has a lot of sports in it. I think it, it should count. Um... The Way Back is one I'd recommend to people. It's a Ben Affleck film. Very, very good. I don't know why there hasn't been. I think it is just the realism point of view. English films and TV tend to be more realism. You know, even, even down to casting. You see people in British films, and they just kind of look like you. They just look like normal people. You see people in American films. Most of them look like they were created in some lab for pretty people. So... I think that all factors in. Um, Jay Reid, 1987. Going into next season, who is the manager of the following? Inter Milan, Real Madrid, Juventus, Barcelona, PSG and Spurs. So Antonio Conte is out at Inter Milan. He has decided to resign. Zidane Zidane has resigned at Real Madrid. And the burnabout went on fire yesterday, which was bizarre. Uh, Ronald Koeman, currently still the manager, but obviously a lot of rumours over him at Barca. Same thing with Pirlo. Same thing with Poch. And obviously Spurs don't have a manager. So the latest rumours are that Poch to Spurs is is happening or could happen. It would be strange. I never feel like it's the right decision to go back when it's ended the way it did. Um, I think Poch stays where he is, if I'm honest. I think Poch stays. I think Conte ends up at Real. I had kind of hoped he'd go to Spurs. I thought it would have been really interesting. But I think he will go to Real. It looks like Sari is set for Inter. I'd love to see Simeone go there if he wanted to leave Atleti. But it looks like Sari could be the one following Conte for the second time in a couple of years. Uh, Juventus, it it looks like Allegri is going back there. Um, Barcelona, I think they might keep Koeman. I could be wrong, but I think they might. I think PSG keep Potch. Rumours are he doesn't get on all that well with Leonardo. Leonardo has an incredible knack for falling out with managers. And he's an even more incredible knack of keeping his job, considering he's terrible at it. Two spells there as director of football. Awful. Director of football at Milan. Awful. Remarkable that he continues to keep his job. Uh, As for Spurs... I wonder if they might go back for Eric Ten Hag. I know he signed an extension on his contract, but I wonder if that was just an extension to include a buyout clause or a release clause. I think Eric Tan Hag would make a ton of sense. Conte is the one I would like there, largely because I just want him back in the Premier League. But Eric Ten Hag, maybe. Um, Cameron Vella asked if you were in charge of Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace's rebuild. Which players would you bring? Or would you offer contract extensions to and which new players would you bring in with your £90 million transfer budget this summer? Right. Um, okay, Crystal Palace out of contract list. Christian Benteke, goodbye. Jeffrey Schlupp, I would keep. Andros Townsend, goodbye. Mamadou Saku, goodbye. Patrick Van Anhold, I would keep. Nathaniel Klein, I would keep. James McCarthy, goodbye. James McArthur, I would keep Joel Ward goodbye, Gary Cahill, I would keep Scott Dan goodbye, Martin Kelly, goodbye, Wayne Hennessy goodbye, Connor Wickham, goodbye. Stephen Henderson, I will keep, and Sam Woods, you'd keep him because he's young, and maybe he develops into something. Um, so you've got you've got half a squad, really. Uh, Let's have a look at their squad. So I'd be happy enough with their goalkeeper situation for a year. Gaeta, Butland, and I'm keeping Henderson. I'm happy enough to go forward with that as my goalkeepers for a year. I've got Nathan Ferguson and Nat Klein as the right backs. I've got Van Anhold and Tyreek Mitchell as my left backs. I've got two, exper- two experienced centre-backs and one who's played centre-back a lot this year. So Kayati's played there a lot this year. I think that might be his best position moving forward. He doesn't seem to have the same kind of mobility he used to have. So if he's one centre-back and I've got Cahill and Tompkins as backups, I need a starting centre-back. I think Mark Gwehi, currently on loan at Swansea, could be available from Chelsea. One year left in his contract. If Swansea don't come up, they won't obviously have the money to get him. I don't know if they'd have the money coming up anyway. But if I've got £90 million to spend, I think i go to Chelsea and get him. I think he would be a really good addition to this team. In midfield, I know I'm going to have Eberici as he come back. When, I don't know. But he will eventually come back. So that's the left side of what's going to be a box midfield. The advanced left side of a box midfield. Sorted. I'm bringing in Michael Alisi. From Reading. For 8 million. That's his buyout clause. I think 17 million for Gwehi. 8 for him. That's 25. I think that's. My two attacking midfielders sorted. My back four sorted. I've got some depth. I think I'd look to bring in one more young centre back. But maybe on loan. Maybe try and find someone. at One of the top clubs. Who's available on loan. Or a little bit out of the picture. Like if Axel and zaby becomes available. Maybe you throw 10 million at United for him. But other than that, I'm happy enough. Centre midfield, I've got Milo I've got... um, MacArthur. But I want two. So I'm going to... I'm going to go to Arsenal for Ainsley, Maitland, Niles and Joe Willock. And try and do a deal for both. I think they might be foolish enough to let me have both. If they won't... Then I go to Chelsea again for Conor Gallagher. And I actually think Maitland-Niles and Gallagher together is probably the better balance pairing. Willock's more the attacking midfielder. Maybe doesn't work with Maitland-Niles. But if I can get Gallagher and Maitland-Niles, they've got experience playing together this year at West Brom. Loads of energy, loads of work rate. All I want them to do is win the ball and move it. Win the ball and move it. Protect that back four, move the ball forward. That's it. If I can get both of them for 20 million, they're 65 million spent. 20 million each. That's 65 million spent. I've got Schlupp as the backup for Ezzy. He'll fill in while he's out. Probably do it a backup for Elise. But then you do have Jesser and Raksacki, who's meant to be super talented. So he can be one. I've also got Yarrow Riedevelt, who can be centre back, so I don't need another centre back. He can be centre back or defensive midfield. So he's the fifth centre-back, the fifth midfielder, but he'll play quite a bit with Milojovic and McArthur being older and injury-prone. Um, and in some games, you want to go to midfield three, stick a defensive midfielder. He works really well there. Um, up front then, what have I got left? £25 million. Um, I keep Mateta, who's still on loan. <coughs> He's got another season on his loan from Mines. I don't know if the 90 million includes selling Zaha. I'm going to assume it didn't because it didn't mention it. So I'm going to keep Zaha. So Zaha's one of my strikers. And I used the backup to him. And then I want, you know, more of a goal scorer. So I keep, I keep Mateta. And I want a goal scorer. Hmm. I Said last summer I'd assigned him for Brighton Footweghorst I think 25 million definitely gets him Hold up play, link play Good movement Good finisher, strong in the air Good with his feet That would be my 24 man squad 25 man, 24 man squad I think, what have I got 3 goalkeepers 8 defenders Eight midfielders plus Rieda is nine. Nine midfielders say. 24-man squad. And I'm happy enough with it. Fill it out with some of the young players. You've got a couple of decent players out on loan. You've got a couple of decent players in your underage squad. That would be it. And then from there the plan would be to focus on three things. Cast-offs. So players deemed not quite up to the grade at the top clubs, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, United, Liverpool, City. Players deemed not quite good enough. Players on the fringes there. Go to them when they're 18, 19, and you say, look, we'll fast-track you. You'll get Premier League football with us. You always want to be active in the loan market. So that'll be the second thing. So after I've done this, moving forward, when I have to sell players, whatever, you're going to be active in the loan market. Look to bring in players. Go to your bigger London rivals and say, look, if you want this kid getting Premier League experience, we can give him Premier League experience. And number three, they always need to be active in lower leagues. So London is just a hotbed of incredible young talent. And a lot of that spills from the bigger clubs into the lower leagues. And you see players like Esri Konza comes through with Charlton, goes to Brentford, and then gets his move to Villa. Well, rather than him go to Brentford, we want to be getting him from Charlton. James Justin, when he's leaving Luton, we want to be the team in for him. Stay in London, Premier League football, etc. Those would be the three things I'd do moving forward. That would be the squad I'd build. I think it's decent. I don't think it'll pull up any trees, but I think it'll be solid mid-table. Play some exciting football, which I think Palace fans would appreciate. In a year, I'm looking to upgrade on Cuyate. That's the, the first big upgrade I'll have next season. But for now, I think I'm happy enough. Good blend of experience and youth. Lots of talent. Lots of players to develop. And I think a team that Zaha will enjoy playing with, and probably the best team Zaha has played with it other than United. Um so that that's what I would do there. Um Isaac Gilding, what do you think the for the Premier League or any other league would look like if it based if it was based on how teams did in their head to heads, similar to the knockout stages in Europe, the three points given to the team that's done the best over the two legs. Leicester would have taken three points off City, for example, as did a better goal difference. So basically, you keep a league table, everybody plays each other twice and at the end of the season or or when the, the second game is complete, whoever has the higher aggregate gets the three points. If it's a draw, it's a draw. I love that idea. As long as it wasn't that like, say, Leicester play City this week and then play them again next week and then played Liverpool the following week and then Liverpool again and then Crystal Palace and then Crystal Palace again. As long as the the fixtures were split the way they are, so you played teams months apart, I think that could be great. I really do think that could be a lot of fun. For any league looking to boost interest, now the Premier League won't do it, but for any other league looking to boost interest, looking to take a risk, it could well, well be worth trying that for a year. It would be a great, if the Europa League was to move to a Champions League type of format. Or even for the Champions League, it could work, where you say split the split the teams into groups. every plays each other twice like they do now, but bigger groups, say. And you just award three points rather than six. I think that could work. I think that could be a lot of fun. Because oftentimes you'll see teams not take some games seriously. This might make them take games more seriously. For those that didn't hear, myself and Gags Tandon on uh, AI Pro yesterday came up with what I think is a great idea. So, if the Premier League was ever awarded a fifth uh, Champions League spot, rather than give it to the team that finishes in fifth place, take the team's. Take five and six, seven, eight, nine, ten, right? So fifth through ten. Five and six get buys. They go into the semi finals of a playoff. Seven plays ten, eight plays nine. Then the winner of seven and ten will play the team that finished sixth. The winner of eight and nine plays the team that finishes fifth. And the winner of those two play each other in a one off game. And the winner of that gets the Champions League. So if you finish fifth or sixth, you've got to win two more games. If you finish seven through ten, you've got to win three more games. But I think, I mean, Gags talked me this, that it could also, it would just give teams more motivation towards the end of the season. Like if you're 11th or 12th, but you're only four points behind the team in tenth, you've got three or four games left. Rather than just kind of go, oh, season's over. Let's just, you know, we're on the beach those teams would be more motivated to try and get into that top 10 to potentially get a Champions League spot. We thought it was a great idea. I'm I'm sure you'd agree. It's a a tremendous idea. And if you hear it anywhere else, it was stolen from us because we've come up with that idea. Like we came up with the idea for a bubble around the restart of the Premier League at St. George's. And then that was touted heavily uh, by a certain media member who is a subscriber. Uh, We won't mention any names, but he he is a subscriber. Um, Right. I do love this idea, though. I I love Isaac's idea, and I think somebody should implement this in a league. I think it will be class. Uh, Emmett, a.k.a. Emmett, what's your opinion opinion on pundits saying uh, Rhys James and Kieran Trippier are better options for England than Trent because they're stronger defensively? They're not stronger defensively. Rhys James might be stronger physically. He's not a better defender than Trent. He might be better 1v1 because he's a bit quicker. But he doesn't read the game as well as Trent. He doesn't cover his centre-backs as well as Trent. He doesn't have as good anticipation as Trent. He doesn't have as good a positional sense as Trent. So it's not... And Kieran Trippier is... It's, 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 Kieran Trippier is a shocking defender. And always has been. And people say, oh, he's improved the last two years. He plays for Simeone. You pave yourselves. Just because he does that for Simeone under strict instructions for what to do. Literally told exactly what to do at every second of the game. Doesn't mean he's a better defender. He's a poor defender. He always has been, and he's slow. So Kieran Trippier is basically if 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 you went to Morrison's and bought a Trent and brought it home, and your mate said, "Where? Oh, that's that's class. Where'd you get that? Oh, down the shops." And he went into Aldi looking for for one. That's what he get. He get a Kieran Trippier. Um, Gordon Shaloner does the Dan leaving Real Madrid leave a clearer path path for Liverpool to sign Camavinga or Mbappe? No, I think if he goes to PSG, it makes it nearly certain that Mbappe stays. It depends on where Zidane goes. But if if Zidane goes to PSG, Mbappe stays, Camavinga goes there, Varane likely goes there. Um, it would be a bit strange for Zidane to go there. It is heavily touted today, but it would be strange. He's kind of born and bred Marseille. Grew up despising PSG from what he said in the past. So, you know, could be interesting. But um I think it might rule Real out. I do think it could rule Real out, at least for one of them. Uh, Cal, thinking of players who stayed at a club past their prime, where would you have liked to see some of these players go had they moved? Or where could you see them doing well at? Totty? Gerard, Del Piero, De Rossi, and Maldini. Um, I feel like Maldini was pretty good right up until the end, but I would have loved to have seen him come to England. Now the problem is, at the time, the only club that would have been able to get him would be United, maybe Chelsea, but they had actually called United, I suppose, at ever. Arsenal as a replacement for Cole could have been interesting. I would have loved to have seen Maldini in England. I think he would have been I think he would have been great. I think he would have enjoyed the game. Um I always felt if Del Piero left Juve, he would have to go to Spain. And I always thought Real would be the the natural fit for him. Gerard is tough. He did leave. But he left too late, obviously. He went went right at the end of his career and He'd had, he'd had a bad season. He'd had a couple of bad seasons. He'd had that great run in 13 14, but he had a couple of bad seasons before that with injuries. He had a couple of really nasty injuries that just slowed him down. Um, I think Gerard in the white at Real Madrid would have been fitting. In his prime, Gerard at Real Madrid would have been phenomenal. Uh, De Rossi, Liverpool. I always wanted him at Liverpool. I think he would have been great. I think he's the midfielder Liverpool were crying out for for years. And Totti. I mean, Totti, like Maldini, it's impossible to picture him in another jersey. Del Piero, Gerrard, and De Rossi all went elsewhere. Del Piero went to Australia. He obviously didn't come through the Juventus Academy, he came from Padova. Gerard went to LA Galaxy. De Rossi went to Boca Juniors. So we saw them in other jerseys. So it's not as jarring to think. For Totti, though, it would need to be a properly rabid fan base—some ones that would just embrace him the way Roma did. And I think I think Marseille would have really been a fitting place for him. Deserved bigger, deserves any club. But I think the Marseille fans and Talley would be really good. Um, Eddie Gibbs, two-part question: Player who was a young as, as a youngster carried loads of hype and you expected to be total trash, but turned out to be very good to great, or someone who looked great as a youngster but turned out to be bang average to poor? Ravel Morrison's the answer to the second one. I thought he was going to be the future of England's midfield. I but I think everybody who saw him play did. This is a guy who regularly outplayed Paul Pogba in United's academy. Um and obviously just outside factors in his career. Now, he did he's he's super talented and he he had spells where he looked and at the absolute business as a senior player, but as a career, yeah, he's pretty poor. Um players who had a lot of hype and turned out to be better than I thought. Rooney. Rooney now, I still don't think Rooney turned out to be anywhere near as good as people make him out to be. He was really, really good. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think Rooney was ever actually a world-class player. He had world-class seasons, but not consistent back-to-back seasons. He never put together three or four great seasons. But I remember watching Rooney as a young player and thinking, there's something about his body type or something that's just, it doesn't really look like it'll age all the while. Because We'd watched Gaza. Now I know Gaza had other issues, but Gaza's body broke down on him. It started obviously with the lunacy of the tackle at the FA Cup final, but Gaza had that similar build to Rooney. And by like his late twenties, he always looked like running was a bit of a chore for him. And I kind of thought now, in fairness, I will say that by twenty six, twenty seven, Rooney was largely finished. I think he had one good season after he's was- 26, um, but he was never anywhere close to the player he had been early. I'll say Rooney. I think Rooney exceeded my expectations, but again, still wasn't as good. And I, like, you could tell he was incredibly gifted. It was just that I didn't think he'd, I didn't think he'd be trash, but I didn't think he'd have the car- the career longevity. I thought he might be one of these Everton flash in the pans, your Danny Catamartery, your Franny Jeffers, who blows up and then just you know crumbles because well Everton the body type the hype the pressure shoved into the england team as a kid rooney um neyan mahapatra 70 to 80 million on sancho or 30 to 30, 35 to 40 million on two players like rafinha and paqueta what should our transfer strategy be, knowing we do not have cash power like a few other clubs? I would go Sancho, but there is a world in which you could convince me to go, say, Rafinha and and Pedro Cancalves of Sporting. You could convince me on that one over Sancho, but Sancho would be the one. If Liverpool were to buy an attacker around Jota's price, whom would you like it to be? Either Rafinha or Pedro Concalves. Either of those two, and I'm I'm happy. I think I think they're both sensationally gifted. Um, Rafinha's obviously got the year in the Premier League. That bit older, more experienced, been around a little bit. Um, Concalves has had two good seasons, only one with sporting. Only one where he's shown elite-level goal-scoring. So Rafinha would be the one. Rafinha would be the one I'd go with. Um Zane, with Champions League qualification sword for Liverpool, does it mean they can go for a higher calibre player than they than if they qualified for the Europa League? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, it should do. Um, with last night's defeat to Real, does it put Ali under pressure for next season? And one more question, why did we re- not, not renew Ginny Wijnaldum's contract? I genuinely think Ginny decided he wasn't going to stay. I could be completely wrong, but I think he just decided, you know, Title one, Champions League won, nothing left to do, off I head. Go and experience something different. Go and experience life in a different country, you know, different way of living. I genuinely think that's it. Because if you look at his career, like he won a title at PSG as captain and then bounced out that summer. He'd done what he could do there, move on. You know, I, I think it's the same thing. I could be wrong. But I don't see... Rumours are he's signing a three-year deal at Barca. There's no way Liverpool wouldn't have given him three years. He definitely wasn't asking for like Van Dijk money. I'd say he was probably asking for Milner money, and that's more than fair. James Milner's been getting paid twice as much as Ginny Wijnaldum. Ginny Wijnaldum has done far more to make Liverpool Champions League and Premier League winners than James Milner did. For And earning like half the money So he's probably asking for that type of money And I don't think that would have put us off at all um, Breaking news We'll just interject here Sheffield United have hired Slavisa Jokanovic Former Fulham and Watford Manager Very very good Championship level manager Proven Success at that level Won the championship. I'm sorry. Finished second in the championship at Watford. And won won the playoffs with Fulham. Two promotions. He's also won the Serbian Super League twice. With uh, Partizan Belgrade. He's had quite a strange career. So he goes three years at Partizan. Wins two league titles. And two cups. Won two doubles. Leaves in the... Summer of nine, I tell he's two years he wins the double both years. He takes three years off, and then he rocks up in Thailand with Mwang Teng United Football Club, whose badge is quite cool. Uh, he wins the Thai Premier League, and then he's out of there. Then he goes to Levski Sofia. Hercules, then Watford, a year there, gets them promoted, and then leaves. Maccabee, Tel Aviv, then he's three years at Fulham, gets them promoted. They come up, but obviously doesn't go particularly well. uh, And he gets sacked quite early in the season. He takes a year off, and he has been in Qatar with al Garafa, Girafa? I don't know how to say that. Um, huh. What a strange career. What a very strange career. But other than Hercules, he's done well everywhere. Uh, McAvee Haifa. McAvee Tel Aviv, rather. he's has there six months. Maybe not the best job. But he did well at Fulham. Did well at Watford. Seems to have done all right at Lefsky. He was only there for four or five months. Doesn't like to stay places, does he? Really doesn't like to stay places. Good signing. Good good get for, for Sheffield United. Hopefully, he's given time, given backing. There's, there's some good players there. He'll need some funding. But yeah, I think that's about as good as they could have done. Genuinely. Um, B. Caroliano. We should definitely start to face Henderson out of the starting 11 the next 12 to 18 months. Who do you think would be a good leader from our current midfielders or someone Liverpool could buy? Well, there has been no leaders from the midfield for, for years now. Um, you could see that once Van Dijk went out, there was no leadership in the team at all. Um of the current midfielders, Thiago is is a, is a good leader. He's a proven leader. As uh, as for someone Liverpool could buy, Barella, I think is a leader. I think he's just naturally like that. Um, and yeah, I think he'll be phased out sooner than that as well. Um, Callum Perry, is it ideal? Is it the ideal time for Simeone to leave Atletico on a high and join Inter? I think it is. I really do think it is. I don't know what more he can do there. Two league titles. Two Europa Leagues, two Champions League finals. It's going to be very difficult to get them back to the Champions League final. They continue to sell important players on him. Thomas Partey last summer, Rodri and Lucas Hernandez the summer before. Griezmann obviously left. It is going to be difficult for him. Especially if, you know, if they're going to sell more players this summer because of their finances with the new stadium or whatever. I think it might be time, but then Inter aren't in a particularly good position right now. Financially, they're a bit hamstrung, so maybe maybe he sticks it out one more year, waits for Inter to sort themselves out and goes there. Um, Henners East, you said recently that Ginny didn't quite make the grade as a club legend. What, in your opinion, is the criteria for solidifying your place as a... Club legend playing a major role in winning a Champions League and the first title in thirty years seems hard to beat. It, I agreed, it does. But at the same time, it, let's not pretend we haven't done this before. Let's not pretend there weren't eighteen titles and five European Cups before this. If if that's the criteria, then everybody who's won those things is a legend, and I I don't think we have that many legends. We have a lot of legends, just not that many. That To do that, I mean, you'd be talking the entire starting 11 last year. The last two years. Plus Matip, plus Milner. It's too many. I, I just don't think there's been 13 legends made in the last few years. You know? I think you've got to be at the club at a very high level for a long time. You've got to be like like Gerard is a legend, for example, because he's one of the greatest players we've had. He was at the club from, you know, forgetting that he came to the academy, but as a as a senior player, what was he 14, 15 years in the first team? He don't have to be that long. But it's the level that he played at. Like Gerard kind of transcended Liverpool. I don't think that Ginny transcended. Ginny's a a system player. Ginny was really good in the system. He fit what Klopp wanted. I just don't think that qualifies you as a legend. I I look at legends and I think Souness, Hanson, Smith, Dogleash, Rush, Barnes, Beardsley. Great players. Keegan, Highway, Yates great players for long periods of time not good players Ginny's a good player he has been great for Liverpool in terms of the system and fitting in but he's a good player no one's going to confuse Ginny Wijnaldum with a great player no one's going to confuse Jordan Henderson with a great player they're good players in great teams They're, they're Darren Fletcher they're Ray Parler No one thinks Darren Fletcher's a Manchester United legend. He's got medals to beat the band. John O'Shea has medals to beat the band. Wes Brown has medals to beat the band. Nicky Butt has medals. Phil Neville has medals. They're not legends. The good players who are part of great teams. The players out of those teams that won the Premier League and Champions League that will become legends. Mo. Sadio. Virgil Trent maybe Ali Robbo Robbo if he did it for long enough maybe Robbo's a cult hero he's a folk hero same as Sammy Lee was kind of a cult hero to a lot of people but I just think legend is something different You know when a player is a legend. It's hard to qualify it in words, but you just know when someone's had a legendary impact on your club, transcended the club, elevated the club, picked the club up and carried it. That's different to being a good player in a great team or an average player in a great team. Uh, MTUSA. Assuming Liverpool get Canate and don't keep it back, a back and still want a goalkeeper, centre-back, right-back, centre-midfielder of an, an attacker, but can only get guys from one nationality, who would you get? And if they could only get guys from one league, who would you get? Right, if it's one nationality, I'm going Portuguese. I'm going Joe Felix as the attacker. Or Goncalves depending on budget. Uh, Centre midfield, Renato Sanchez. He's got a whole bunch of right-backs. Centre-back, I think David Carmel's the obvious one. Um, Goalkeeper, Rui Silva's on a free. I do think he's a good keeper, so I'd go for him. Um, in terms of right-backs, Nelson Samedo will be too expensive. it will be too expensive. Hmm, I'd have to think about right-back, but I think Portugal would be the, the one I'd go with. Because I don't think, like, in terms of France, I mean, you're not going to get Mbappe. <laughs> regardless of how much we want him. Right-back. Thierry Correa, Valencia, he'd be the right back. So get him, Rui Silva, Carmel, Renato Sanchez and Felix or, or, and Cancaves, depending on, on the budget. Uh, one league. That is difficult. One league is harder. It also depends on budget. I would probably go La Liga, but budgetary restraints would hold me back a little bit. Goalkeeper, Rui Silva. Uh, center back, Jules Conde. Right back, Thierry Correa. Center midfield, I mean, I'd love Valverde. I'd absolutely love Valverde. And as an attacker, I mean, Joe Felix is there, but since I've got Conde and I've got Valverde, I'll probably be. A little bit more sensible, and I'll go either En Naziri or Ocampos. Either of the Sevilla boys, and I'm happy. Um, Aidan McCrory replies to that, just saying, our young goalkeeper's are class. We don't need one. We do. We need a more experienced goalkeeper. I'm sorry. Can't go into the season with a bunch of 22 and younger goalkeepers. You need a more experienced one. Uh, Conor Lane. If Conte was to join Manchester United, what three players would he sign, and how would his Manchester United side line up? Where do you predict Conte's United would finish in the league? Right, so Conte will play a back three. We know that. I do think a Wan Bissaka, Maguire, Shaw back three is something that he could get going with. Gives you Alex Telles then as your left wing back, and the first signing that comes in is Hakimi, at right wing back, with Wan Bissaka's pace. Covering for Maguire, they can play a little bit higher. Maguire, as a vocal player, will be able to guide Juan bissaka through games a little bit more. We've seen Luke Shaw play left-side centre-back a bunch of times, and he's very, very good there, to be fair to him. Into midfield. He's obviously playing a midfield three. I think he'd want... He loved Pogba at Juve. So he'll, he'll have Pogba on the left of the three. I think he'd want Barella on the right of the three. And he'll want then someone who can sit deep, dictate the play a little bit, do, do the defensive side of things. It'd be a gamble. No, he's too slow, isn't he? I was going to say Ruben Neves, but he's probably just a bit too slow. I'll come back to that. Up front, I think Rashford and Greenwood. With Cavani, with Martial, I think he'd like those striking options. I think he'd be fine with that. So he'd want Hakimi, Barella, and somebody to sit, do that Brozovic role where you're defensive midfielder, but also sort of a you know, a functional playmaker. It's kind of how he evolved Pirlo's role. Because Pirlo obviously did the the dictating but wasn't wasn't defensive minded. Jorginho, I don't think obviously they wouldn't sell him, but go for someone like him. Someone of that ilk. Maybe we'll just say Ruben Neves for the sake of this and to move on. But like a Ruben Neves type. Someone who can sit in Solid defensively, reads the game, good positioning. You know a modern day Michael Carrick, who Conte loved. Um, Ruben Neves is is probably a decent enough fit, to be fair. Um, Vinyl Maniac, nineteen sixty four. Now that United have bottled the, the Europa League, UEFA Cup, uh, do you think Oli wins a trophy or gets fired first? I think he gets fired first, but it won't be this summer. H twenty three football. What represents a successful season for Liverpool? Is it just competing with City for as long as we can or based solely off silverware? It's based off silverware. It's Liverpool Football Club. It's Liverpool Football Club. It's always based off silverware for me. They don't have to win the league, but you have to challenge for it the very least. But you've got to win something else. Win a cup. If they won the FA Cup and finished second, I'd class that as a successful season. I'd rather win the Champions League or the Premier League. But if they won the FA Cup and finished second within. Five points a city. That's fine. As long as you're competing. As long as you're trying. You're not settling. You're not finishing 10 or 12 points back and patting yourself in the back and then going and bottling finals. That's fine. Um, B. Carliano again. Uh, although we both agree Trent shouldn't be moved into midfield, if Southgate were to move him there, where would he play and what type of formation? And alongside what are the midfielders? So for England, it's weird though, because like, If you look at England's midfielders, they're all kind of static central players. Rice, Phillips, Henderson. They're all, you know, in a two type of fellas. Which means, Trent, and they're all more defensive minded. Now, Henderson's more box to box. And Ward-Prowse, the former wide player who moved in. But he's become quite comfortable in that central area. None of them are left-footed. None of them could play on the left of a midfield three. If you're playing a midfield three, Henderson or Ward-Prowse play the right-hand side. Phillips or Rice play the central role. You have nobody to play the left-hand side role. And I don't think that's the best use of Trent. I think Trent would be better if he was allowed to sort of sit in front of the defence in that kind of role I was talking about for United and just dictate the play. But... I mean, what two would you put in front of him? Henderson and Bellingham, maybe? I mean, Bellingham could play the left side role. He's more comfortable on the right side. Bellingham and... So you want, you want one more real centre for because you could put Foden there, obviously, as a left footer, to get balance, comfortable moving in and out. But you want more of a defensive presence as well. And Rice and Phillips don't really fit that role. I just don't see how he fits as a midfielder for England. I could see him fitting better as a sweeper in the middle of a back three with kind of freedom to move. And then a midfield two, just as is Rice and Henderson, Rice and Bellingham, Rice and Mount, whatever. I just don't think he fits in midfield for England. For Liverpool, it would be easier. He could play on the right of the three with Fabinho... And Thiago could shove across. Thiago could play either side. He could play on the right of a midfield four. I think for England, he'd be better suited to play on the right of a midfield four. He put him one wing, but kind of tucked in. Similar to how Koke used to play for Atleti, or how L'Oriente plays now. And then shove Sancho on as an advanced left winger. Play a midfield two, say Bellingham and Rice, Mount and Rice, Henderson and Rice, whatever. Um, and then a front two But again I just I'm just playing it right back It's best right back in the country by a mile Just playing it right back uh, Sports lens If you were Barcelona's director of football How would you go about clearing Barca's debt Who has a bigger Premier League legend And why Aguero or Rooney And who are the best Premier League teams You've seen relegated Oh um, Best Premier League teams I've seen relegated that Newcastle team was it? 0-9 Newcastle got relegated. Michael Owen was there. Oh eight or 09, 08 or 0-9? I think it was 0-9. Uh, that Newcastle team. Um, the Middlesbrough team is the best. The one from ninety seven, with Janino Ravanelli and them. That that's the best team that I've seen get relegated. Um. Uh, Leeds Leeds still had a good team when they went down But that Middlesbrough team Is the best team I saw get relegated They were they were f- f- So so much too good to get relegated They got relegated because they failed To turn up for a fixture They had three points docked because they couldn't Play Blackburn Because of illness or something It was like a b- bunch of players in, uh, ill and a few injured All they had to do was send their under-18s, get tonked 7-0, and come away with zero points. Instead, they came away with minus three points from the game, and that's what took them down. That Middlesbrough team is the best team I've I've seen get relegated. Um, Bigger legacy in the Premier League, bigger legend in the Premier League, Aguero or Rooney? I think Aguero. I think Aguero, personally. Now, let me see. I don't even know who scored more goals. Probably Rooney. He played in the Premier League for a lot longer, so he should have. Um, so Rooney scored 25 goals for Everton and 183 for United in the Premier League. Between O two, the 02, 03 season and the 17, um, 18 season, he played 491 Premier League games. So Guerra obviously played quite a few less. Sergio Aguero. Sergio Aguero, 275 games, 184 goals. So Aguero's goals per game is substantially better than Rooney's. Um, Aguero won five league titles. Rooney won five league titles. If you add in cups, Rooney won one. FA won FA Cup. Uh, Aguero won one. Aguero won... 6 league cups whereas Rooney won 3 I think I think it's Aguero I think he performed more consistently than Rooney who had a lot of average to poor seasons Like a player of Rooney's caliber should have scored Like, what did he get? 15 goals once, twice, three, four times he went over 15 goals. Only twice he went over 17 goals. Now, I know he played a little bit deeper late in his career, but no excuse. No excuse. To me, Aguero, it's just, it is Aguero. Seven seasons over twenty goals. Would have been more when he got injured for a couple of seasons, like um 13, 14, 17 goals in 23 games, easily would have gone over 20 if he'd played more. Aguero also has the the kind of the biggest moment, the most iconic moment in Premier League history. For me, it's Aguero. Um, as for the Barca thing, myself and Carol Matchett did an entire podcast on this on Anfield Index Pro. Um it's about two and a half hours long. But what I, first things first, I would cut bait with Messi. I would stop signing old players. Um, I know cutting bait with Messi doesn't sound popular, but the guy's on 100 million a year on his last contract. He's going to want more. He's not as good a player as he was back then. I, I would say goodbye to Leo. I would say goodbye to Pique and Alba and Sergi Roberto. I won't say goodbye to Busquets because I love him dearly. Um, but. I you'd have to find ways to get rid of Griezmann, get rid of Coutinho, get rid of Pjanic. I think you'll get a bit of money for two of them. You won't get any money for Griezmann because his wages are ridiculous, but you've just got to get rid of him. And you've got to focus in on your Ansu Fati's, your Pedri's, your Frankie de Jong's, your Trincao's, your Usman Dembele's, uh, the young defenders they have coming through. Uh, I, would, I would sign Eric Garcia. I'm not a big fan, but as a, as a... But 22 year old free agent fine And I just start Rebuilding Get all the, the heavy Wages gone As far away from the club as possible And just start Being more realistic about what we can afford What we can do Take that wage bill away and you can afford to repay Huge amounts of the debt In a couple of years It'll be a couple of painful years for the fans No doubt But if it means resetting and then being able to go hell for leather, absolutely worth doing. And if you can get rid of a bunch of those players and create you know, sizable chunks on your wage bill, maybe in, in a year when Haaland is up on the chopping block for, for everybody to try and outbid each other for on wages, you're the one that can push to the front. If you got rid of Griezmann alone, it would more than cover Haaland. You'd have to find the fee from, but you find the fee. But if they've got to just stop paying the wages they pay, it is—it's ridiculous. It's not like they've, like they're paying. I think it's six hundred million a year is their wage bill for that team. Like if you're paying six hundred million a year on a wage bill, you would want to have put together like the Barca team under Pep. If that team was about today and they were paying them 600 million a year, you'd be like, "Oh, fair enough. This is the best team I've ever seen." If it was Sacchi's Milan or even Capello's Milan, you fair enough, Baresi, Maldini. Yeah, fine. Not Jordi Alba, not Griezmann, 600 grand a week to Griezmann. He's a very good player. He's not a 600 grand a week player and never was. Um, James Halton, should a save Bruno campaign be started? As surely such a great player should be winning major trophies and it doesn't like look like he'll do it at United. Well, I'm sure that um, Gary Neville, the saviour of football, Gary Neville, will soon do an exclusive interview uh, with Bruno about his future. I'm sure he will be on Sky in the coming days, talking about how maybe it's best for Bruno's future, you know, for his legacy if he, if he moves on and wins things. Uh, I'm sure Gary Neville will get on board with this. Um, yeah, I think Bruno will give it one more year if they don't start winning things. See, that's the thing is, I, I, I named my inter-team under Conte. I didn't name Bruno because I don't think Bruno fits under Conte. I don't think Bruno fits under Conte. Now, you could if you get rid of Pogba, then you can I think you can make it work with Bruno. It's not going to be ideal, but Bruno and Barella ahead of whoever, that will work to an extent. But Conte loves Pogba. Like adores him. And is thus far one of only two managers to ever consistently get the best out of Pogba. And even he didn't get the very best. Allegri got got better results from him because he was a bit older. But I don't think Bruno fits under Conte. I think he'd fit under Klopp in Klopp's current shape, the four three three. Don't think he'd fit under Simeone. Wouldn't fit under Pep at all. So unless United sign Klopp, they're not winning anything. Um What do you think Germany's Starting lineup should be with for the Euros. Interesting. So up until this season, I would have said Tuchel in goal, but he's had a bad season. Nower has been better than than him. Nower was really good last year as well, obviously. So we'll stick with Nower in goal. I'm going to go Kimmich at right back, largely due to the lack of quality right backs. But I'm also going to play a back three. So he's a right wing back in this system, but Robin Gosens as a left wing back in this system. Gundogan and and uh, Goretzka will be the centre midfield duo. Tony Cruz, thanks but no thanks, not this time, uh, buddy. As the back three, then Nicholas Sewell. I wouldn't love this, Ginter. From Gladbach and Rudiger. I really wouldn't be in love with it at all. It's a very average back three. But it might just work. And then up front. Mabry on one wing. Sané on the other. And I'd play Kai Havertz as a false nine. I would consider Emery Chan as a sweeper. I love Emery Chan and I'd, I would consider him as a sweeper, but I, I'd i stick with the three I went with. Um, that would be my 11. At 3-4-3, three, three, I think Gnabry, Havertz and, and Sani give you a chance. There's not a natural goal scorer there, but I think they'll get enough goals between them. I think you'll control games in midfield. Um, along with Bakayo Sacco, Who are the most versatile young players? It's a good question. I mean, Greenwood can play anywhere in attack. So can Rashford. So can Sterling. But one that can play the way—I mean, in, in theory, Trent, because he could play centre midfield, he could play right wing, he can play right back. But even that, he wouldn't be as as uh, versatile as Saka left wing let right wing midfield 3 left back I actually don't know is the answer to that one mate I think Saka might be the most versatile young player around um Mandar Fatar Fatarpicer I sorry bud Um, I'm just terrible with names I don't know what it is I need to read things about 15 times and try and pronounce them properly but I don't read these before I get them so uh, which midfielder should take Wijnaldum's role at Liverpool Uh, as I said earlier uh, there's two that I would want above everybody Barella or Thielemans Camavinga is the dream but I I just don't think if Rennes are going to be stupid and ask for 100 million he would be the one failing him Thielemans Barella or Valverde, throw him in as well. Any of those three, any of those four, those four, fine. Um, what are your thoughts on Weston McKenney as a Ginny replacement? I I do like Weston McKennie, but I don't think, um, I don't think will sell him this summer. I think he's one that will get kept around. Um, Sherlock Shadman, United's vertical positioning and Ollie's midfield tactics. United's midfield was a mess. You've got Pogba, who very much you know, dances to the beat of, beat of his own song. And then you've got McTominay, who's he's a likable workhorse in midfield. He'll go box to box. He's got a you know, decent bit of ability about him. Um, he's certainly got courage. I'll give him that. When When others didn't stand up last night, he was at least trying to drive the team forward. But I just think that midfield, it, it, it looks shapeless. It really does look shapeless. It looks like a bunch of lads told to go out and express themselves. Um, Olu Adamola. Who would you replace Ole Gunnar Solskjaer with if he were to get sacked? Are United experiencing a power shift in Manchester? And if you're the director of football at West Ham... How would you turn that club into a potential top-four team? Right. First things first, the power shift in, in Manchester is, has happened years ago. City are the power in Manchester now. United might still be the bigger club and will remain the bigger club, but City are the power force in Manchester. It's not even close. I mean, th- these two teams exist on totally different levels now. Um, who would you replace Oli with? Um, I think he's going to sign for Juve, but Allegri would have would have absolutely been high on the list because I think he's the type of guy that just goes in and adapts. Zidane could be interesting. He's a proven winner, club uh, player and manager. Three Champions Leagues, two uh, La Liga titles. Lupategi of of Sevilla is probably the one I would go with, though I know he's not as big a name. And United would probably want more glamour. But I think he's an excellent coach. I think he's an excellent coach. And I think that's what United need, is an excellent coach. And I think Greenwood, Rashford, Bruno. I don't think he'd... F- Maybe he'd find a spot for Pogba. I think he'd prefer not to deal with the circus. He'd find the right centre-back to go with Maguire. It's probably Kunde. Don't tell United that, though. Um, I, I think Lupetegui is the one. I think he would be really good in the Premier League. He's very, very tactically switched on. I think it would be him, and he's, and he's a great developer of players. Um, and if you were the director of football at West Ham, how would you turn them into a potential top-four club? I, I think it's possible for them to do it like in a one-off season. Say they could have done it this season. I don't think it's possible for them to sustain it because of the ownership. I just think they've got bad owners. Um, Similar similar to what I suggested for Palace, but on a a grander scale, I think you want to be looking to pick up the best young players. You want to sort of build a wall around London a little bit. And any high-end young players that come through at lower league clubs, especially in London... You want to snap them up and make sure they know they can stay in London, play for West Ham. Again, you want to make sure that when there's a really good young player, like say if Fikayo Tomore was available again, you want to make sure you're the team in for him. You know, sometimes you'll miss. Like, say you jumped at Eddie and Say Arsenal wouldn't let Nketiah go. I think you have to jump at that chance. Grab him. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you've got to stick to your principles. I think that's their best way. Their only way to do it would be to sustainably build. You know, like, and and the, and find more Declan Rices. Teams, these players get released regularly by top clubs. Be the club that knows every single young player on every other club's books. Know what they can fit, how they fit in your system. You want to have your team uniform, top to bottom. First team all the way down to, say, under 16s they should be playing the exact same style of football. So know what players fit into your system, know how they fit, how they will develop. And every time a Declan Rice becomes available, be knocking on his parents' door, showing them the pathway you're going to give them. That's the only way for West Ham to do it. They'll never have the financial backing to do it unless someone else comes in and buys them. Um But it would be good to see West Ham be more competitive each year. Like they have been this year. It's been really good because they're, they're one of the, the, you know, the proper clubs. One of the traditionally great clubs of England. Not one of the huge clubs, but a great club. You know, they won the World Cup after all. Um, I think that's it. I think that is everybody's questions. Uh, I hope it is. Oh no, there's not. There's one more. Um, given how Oli hasn't won a, this is from Tim D twenty seven oh four. Given how Oli hasn't won a trophy since the Norwegian Cup a decade ago, which of the following more qualified managers? Should replace McUnited. Hodgson, Pulis, Allardyce, or Moyes. Hodgson. Hodgson. We had to live with it. They can live with it. Hodgson. Always Hodgson. Yeah. I already got Big Sam at Everton. That was part of the dream. I mean, Pulis' ball would be. Remarkable at Old Trafford on that big pitch. See Tony wouldn't like the big pitch though. Tony likes a small pitch. Big pitch like that you'd have to you'd really have to let the grass grow. It'd grow to the point where lawnmowers wouldn't even cut it anymore. Players would be running down the wing and they just disappear. Couldn't have any players under five foot seven. If you did they would just disappear in the grass. It'd be an unfair advantage. Hodgson is the answer. Get the Hodgie out of retirement. Get him up to Old Trafford. A great man. A legend of the English game. Get him in the door. Um, I think that's it. I I, I think I've gotten everybody's. If I haven't, I do apologize. Uh, Oh, no, here we go. We have one more. Adam Hanlon. Always late. Always late, Adam Hanlon. Every week. I might be late, but who do you think the following managers should go to would fit? Vieira. Eh. I would say Vieira is a good fit for a championship club. If Bournemouth don't keep Woodgate, Vieira should go there and develop it and and help build them back up. Vias Boas. I do like Vias Boas. Wolfsburg. I'd like to see him in Germany. Jardim. Sassuolo. Allegri, looks like Juve, Conte, I'd love him at Spurs, I think he goes to Real, Sari, I think he goes to Inter, Lampard, Fulham, me and Guy nailed that one, uh, Wilder, um, Wilder I would say West Brom, Nuno, Gatafi, maybe, I don't know, uh, and Rafa, I kind of want him at Celtic. But Porto. Nuno to Celtic. Rafa to Porto. That'll do. Um, just make sure I haven't missed anyone else. I don't. Mr. Feeling all right. Since generally Thiago plays on the right of the midfield and drifts in there usually. For symmetrical sake, you'd want a good left-footed midfielder. Who would be a good left-footed midfielder? Kamavinga, Saúl. Or Fabian Ruiz, any of those three. They're all again. Add Saul and, and Ruiz to the midfield list with Telemans, Barella, Camavinga, and Valverde. Uh, if you want to stick with a three, that's kind of it. That's what I would. What I would go with. And yes, I think I've gotten everybody now. Uh, that's it then. That is a long, long podcast. So you know, hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, Do make sure you tell a friend. Uh, Five-star reviews, always welcome. Check out the EPL Index shop on Etsy. Thank you to Guy. Thank you to you. Thank you to Foxhall. Bye-bye. See you tomorrow. Network.